goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome. That throbbing bass line that you hear is Lewis. Johnson of the Brothers Johnson, who died in 2015, but whose birthday is today. Welcome to Bo Snerdley's Rush Hour here on WABC Talk Radio 77. If you would like to be part of today's program, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 848-9222. And... Up in Taxachusetts, there has been an arrest. You've heard on the national news. You've heard on the local news. You're hearing on the news all over. The leaker has been found and arrested. The alleged leaker has been found and promptly arrested. Young man by the name of Jack. I believe he pronounces his name to Sierra. Could be wrong about the actual pronunciation. But he was arrested at his home Thursday after being implicated in the leak of dozens of sensitive U.S. intelligence documents. Biggest national security breach in the last 10 years. That is a bunch of hockey. It is not. The biggest leak of national security documents came with Hillary Clinton by putting her server and all that information where anybody could get it. And potentially there were other nations, a lot of nations that knew that Hillary Clinton's Private information was hackable, but 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 I digress. That will never be and has never been looked into seriously, of course, because it's Hillary Clinton. And when the FBI looked at that, James Comey said, "Oh, she didn't mean it. She didn't mean it. Just let her go." But anyway, the way it's being reported, this is the biggest national security breach in the last ten years. Mr. Zasira, the first thing that you need to do now that you are arrested is identify as a woman. Change your name. Tell them your name is not Jack, it's Jacqueline. Or something. And tell them you're a girl. Offer them a Budweiser. That will get you a lot of sympathy and special treatment while you're in jail, just like it did Chelsea, we shall wait to see what develops of this. Oh, by the way, isn't it amazing how quickly the FBI can find leakers? Unless, of course, they happen to be leaking Supreme Court opinions, in which case, oop, we too tough a job. We can't find out who leaked that. 
No, no, no. But we can find all the leakers that harm Joe Biden's administration. We can find them lickety split. There is a Supreme Court case that will be argued shortly that could change working principles, working life in America. Former United States Postal Service letter carrier Gerald Gerald Groff spent every day for seven years delivering the mail in a rural corner of southeast Pennsylvania, except on Sundays. On Sundays, Mr. Groff would attend worship services, and he would rest. Mr. Groff is a former Mennonite missionary. He's the son of a truck driver. He could run for president like that. You know, we got sons of bus drivers that wanted to be, we could have a son of a, anyway, I digress. His boss back in 2019 demanded that he choose between practicing his faith or working for the post office. He quit. In Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, which is within earshot of this radio station, Mr. Graff said, I want to own what I believe and live that out for God. The case will come before the Supreme Court next week. Mr. Graff is asking the United States Supreme Court to require employers to be more accommodating of religiously observant workers including a right to skip shifts on the Sabbath and not allow them to be fired or kicked out because they are religious people and they are serious about their religion. The case has the potential, says ABC News, to transform workplaces and employer-employee relationships across the United States of America. I really didn't think I should have to quit. He said, I really expected the post office to find a way to accommodate me and make it work for both them and myself. Federal law requires employers to accommodate the religious beliefs of workers unless it would impose an undue hardship on a business. And that standard was after a Supreme Court case 46 years ago. The United States Postal Service says Mr. Grouse refuses to work Sundays imposed a significant cost on operations. It created a tense atmosphere. It bred resentment toward management. And the need to find substitutes was time-consuming. Surprisingly, this will surprise some of you, not all of you, two lower courts agreed. U.S. Third Circuit Court of Appeals said that 
an employer is not required to accommodate at all costs. Exempting Grau from working on Sundays caused more than a de minimis cost on the USPS because it actually imposed on his coworkers, disrupted the workplace and workflow, and diminished employee morale. The Postal Service does not deliver mail on Sundays. But beginning in 2015, carriers nationwide were contracted to help deliver packages for the online retail giant Amazon. The USPS says the arrangement has been a major source of revenue in the face of declining traditional mail. They began to ask people in my position to deliver on Sundays or holidays. I told them I'm not going to be able to work on the Lord's Day at all. The Bible says we're supposed to keep the Lord's Day as holy, a day that's set apart to worship and honor God. Now, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 makes it unlawful to discriminate against any individual with respect to his compensation, terms, conditions, or privileges of employment because such individual's religion gets in the way unless that employer can show that there's undue undue hardship on the business. It'll be interesting to see where this case goes. I know where I believe it should go, and I know many of you know where it should go. This is outrageous. Religious accommodations are made all the time for people that are observant. But we live in an era now where Christianity is under attack. Judeo-Christian beliefs are under attack. Even Orthodox views of sexuality that extend to Islam, that extend to Christianity, that extend to Judaism. They're all under attack in this new era. And the state is supposed to be the God, not God. We have conservatives on the bench. One can only hope the right thing happens here. This nation was founded on the idea of religious liberty, religious freedom. The very first amendment to the United States Constitution says Congress shall make no law, no law, that bars people from exercising their religious beliefs. And this certainly should fall under that category. And the fact that these people at the post office couldn't figure it out is a terrible thing. This is part of the new America. We were once proud of our religious heritage in this country. We were proud to be a nation where religion and people's religion was looked upon as a good thing, was looked upon as 
having a benefit to society. Now, part of what we see with this ongoing battle between genderism and normalcy is the idea that people are bigoted who have religious views about gender, who believe that God created man and God created woman, and put a period on the at the end of that. There are people who object to it, who think that mankind is more important than any notion of God, who think that because they can go in and butcher a body, that somehow or another butchering a body actually is supreme over the supreme will that created the bodies in the first place. And you better believe, folks, we are in a fight as a nation, as to whether people who have deeply held religious convictions will be forced underground with those beliefs, will be continued to be called bigoted, mean-spirited, because they believe what their religious religious teachings have led them to accept in their life as the truth. This case could be more important than we all know. We've already seen case after case at the Supreme Court where others of the mafia that wants to force people to do their will under threat of losing their livelihood, we've seen the lengths that these people will go. If you happen to decorate cakes, they'll make you decorate a cake, they think to support their lifestyle, even if you have a religious objection to it. We've seen that end up at the court already. Every day when you pick up the newspaper, you'll see or or, the, or read the newspaper online or your phone, you'll see this continued battle in our society that calls people who believe and who believe strongly who call those people bigots, who call those people racist, or worse. This is a case to watch. It will be heard at the Supreme Court next week. There was a story earlier today that was on Twitter that got people really excited. I won't tell you the website because the story has since been uh, rendered moot. The story was that Mitch McConnell's about ready to step down. The turtle was about ready to slowly walk away from the Senate, was preparing for his retirement. And there was a premature ejaculation of joy. People were, yes, yes, the turtle is gone. When I saw the, the, uh, the, the post on Twitter, I tweeted out, uh, I'm skeptical of this. I mean, hopeful, but skeptical. And within 30 minutes of me posting that notice of my skepticism came the story from CBS News. Mitch McConnell says he's returning to the Senate on Monday. It'll be over a month after he took a fall at the Waldorf Astoria. 
No, I thought it was in New York. He was in D.C., apparently. Must have been the Waldorf in D.C. Not the Astoria. Well, I'm looking forward to returning to the Senate on Monday. Miss McConnell tweeted out. That's pretty good. We've got important business to tackle and big fights to win for Kentuckians and the American people. And nobody's going to make me quit. I'm full of power here. I got a lot of hood. I got the power in my pocket, baby. So those people that were prematurely getting their rocks off over Mitch McConnell leaving, stuff it back in your pants. It ain't going to happen. He's sticking around. WABC Talk Radio 77. We've got a lot more to cover. We've got your calls. Another birthday, Lewis Johnson, we talked about. Avery Al wanted Green. to hear this one. Avery wanted requested this one. Oh, cool. Avery, you got the you you you're feeling it for somebody out there, Avery. I saw him. I saw him going through the Al, the Al Green songs. I was like, yeah, that's the one. That's the one you need to play right there, man. Are you sure you're not like secretly pining for some woman, and that's why you wanted to hear this? Oh no, you can't. You can't dedicate music to a woman over the air. Like that's just. She, she knows she's winning if you do that. She knows she's winning if you dedicate a song for yeah, her. Yeah, she's like, okay, I'm, I'm I'm about to double down on this guy now. I, I got him. Okay, <laughs> he got it all figured out, Avery. I'm telling you. Al Green's birthday is today. This is Al Green taking us into our break. We're coming back at WABC. And don't go away. Let's just enjoy it all. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Rush. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This was the number one song in America. Sir Elton John. Avery, I'm getting a lot of remarks about you, man. You, you, about me? 
Yeah, man. Just got to remark to hey, Avery's right. Thank you. lady says her husband dedicated brown-eyed girl to her 30 years ago. Hasn't seen a paycheck since. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I told you, that, that that's a marker they look for. And then I have this one, Avery spot on, because I asked you to pick a special Valentine's Day song for me, and you didn't. Uh-oh. I, I'm sorry. Oops. Oops. <laughs> I'll pick a Valentine's Day song for you now, if you if you'd like. What do we have? How about that Peebo Bryson thing? That other one. Uh, give me a second here, will you? Yeah, come on, man, help me out of here because this is not working out good. They okay. they they want to see how deep you go with the song, like how just how on, rich man. it is. That's how they know how much they got you. Aha! Uh-huh. So this business is serious, and we also had a response to the. The uh, Supreme Court case. See? This is his big hit, right? This is this is one of Peebo's big hits. One I'm of his big hits. I'm going to dedicate this for the woman that I did not dedicate a Valentine's Day song to. This one is for you. Oh, sorry. Apologizing, yes. Peebo Bryson, who is Shen- he has a birthday today too. This is a big birthday day in music. This is Peebo's big hit, if ever. You're in my arms again. Yeah, Avery's singing along. Avery, don't you want to dedicate this song to somebody too? I'm telling you, you're too vulnerable if you dedicate if you dedicate this one. Don't do it, Bo. Hung <laughs> 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 up friends at home, high fiving if you if you dedicate this one. <laughs> you better have that ring ready. It won't be long now, girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ladies, another people. <laughs> Uh, Rich picked that out uh, just for uh, <laughs> Rich. Uh, that's, that you know, I mean, come on, you talk people. That's his big hit, right? So that's one. We got to get that's one of them. Right, feel the fire. We're working on that one. Working on that. And then what was that song that he did with Roberta Flack? The one that everybody, you know, uh, right? Tonight I celebrate my love. That's tonight, right. That's oh, yes, right. right. We got to get that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Tonight I celebrate my. That's life another in one. Prison, my life imprisonment with you. I'm celebrate my. Yeah. Uh, here's a story in the Los Angeles Times, and I really had to do a double take on this one. At first, I thought it was, whoa, what is this? Los Angeles Times, it's an, it's an op-ed today. Migrants falling from the high border fence are more seriously injured. But that wasn't the headline. The headline was, when you first click on the story, was it was, I, I forget the headline that they had, but it was something it was clickbait. Like a neurosurgeon talks about something horrible. And then it starts off at 2 in the morning while I was carrying my hospitalized patients. My pager went off. The message was short. 30-year-old male, unstable spinal fracture after border fall. I think of all the similar pages I've had during my three years as the resident physician in neurosurgery. 
in San Diego, young individuals with life-changing severe injuries that they sustained falling from the wall that separates the United States from Mexico. The Trump, those evil, um, no, the Trump administration raised sections of this wall up to 30 feet high rather than the 8 to 10 feet, after which more falls cause more serious injuries. And then he goes on to say that before looking at the patient, he took a minute to look at his MRI. He had a severe spinal injury, saw the terrified young man lying immobile with a collar supporting his neck. Instead of a concerned family, he was surrounded by Border Patrol officers. I sensed his despair and then his relief when I spoke to him in Spanish. I told him we would care for him as best we could, but that he would need surgery. He started to cry. As I examined him to determine the extent of his injuries, checking whether he could feel my hand or wiggle his toes, I asked him to tell me about himself, and he told me why he came to America in Spanish. The translation was, it's too dangerous for me and my family back home. And this is a story I know all too well, says the neurosurgeon. As the son of Mexican immigrants who crossed the same border in the 1980s when fleeing violent threats in their hometown, I know that my patient's life story could have easily been mine. And he goes on and on to tell us. Do we know the height of the wall going up around Biden's vacation house in Delaware? I don't know, but it, I bet you it's not easy. Uh-oh. I certainly won't be holding my breath waiting for a dedication from you. <laughs> I just got another. Avery, you've started something here. Uh-oh. And it's not good. Um <laughs> Oh, how am I going to get out of this? Um, anyway, the point of the story is, and look, I don't want to make light of this. People have horrible injuries, and I understand that this is not a laughing matter. It's not a joking matter. And I do feel bad for the guy and, and many others who suffer these injuries. But what are we supposed to do as Americans? What's supposed to be our response? First of all, we're taking care of him in an American hospital, which he will probably not end up paying for. That doesn't get mentioned. Secondly, he was doing something illegal. He was breaking into our country illegally, and he hurt himself. We don't want that to happen to anybody. We don't want people to suffer. We don't want people to potentially come out paralyzed or lose, in worst case scenarios, especially lose their lives. We don't want any of that. But this is what should deter people not to do these dangerous things because you could get hurt. And by the way, this business about we're fleeing our country because it's bad here. It's bad in America in certain cities. What if, where do we flee to? Where do we flee? Where are we supposed to go? When American cities get to, and and do we just go to any country that's safe and just, oh, we're here illegally. It's getting too bad in our country. We don't like it. So can we come here and mooch off of you and mooch off of your taxpayers? 
I understand sympathy, and I have a lot of sympathy. Again, I don't want to see this young man suffer. I don't think any fair-thinking American does. But what is supposed to be the American response to this? we got to take a break. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. Coming back in just a moment. Stand in line until you think you have the time to spend an evening with me. Nancy. And if we go someplace to dance, I know that there's a chance you won't be leaving with me. Then afterwards we drop into a quiet little place and have a drink or two. Then I go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like I love. 1967, I think. This was number one. I can see it in your eyes that you despise the same old lies you heard the night before. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Talk Radio 77. Okay, there's a story today. Ladies, I need you to pay close. Well, you don't have to pay close attention to this. Men, you need to pay close attention to this. Over half, listen to the way this is written. This is from CBS, from CBS News. Listen to this first paragraph. Almost half of women in opposite sex marriages. We used to just say in marriages, okay? Almost half of the women in opposite-sex marriages earn as much or more than their husband. And the number of them who do, that share has tripled since the 1970s. Here's the part. Avery, I need you to pay attention. Rich, I need you to pay attention. And Scott, especially you. Especially you, Scott. Pay attention to this. Yet, even women who out-earn their male spouses undertake more unpaid labor, such as child care and housework. Stop yawning, Rich. Wait, run that by me again? Okay. Even though almost half of women these days in a relationship with a guy earn more than he does. These same women are still stuck with doing the housework and with childcare. Doesn't matter that they're the breadwinners. They come home after being out there in the jungle 
of work, working their fingers to the bone all day long. They come home and you, you, people like you, Rich, people like you, Avery, and especially people like you, Scott, expect them to do the housework. You go sit on the couch and watch TV. You put your feet up. You lounge around. You say, honey, where's dinner? And by the way, you see over there, that little spot, it's got some dust on it. You forgot to get the dust from that spot. Sounds like we finally won. (laughs) (laughs) So, Avery, I don't hear anything from you. Do you think this is fair? That even though women are making more money than you, you still, you men, still expect them to come home and do all the housework? Take care of the kids, do the housework, cook, clean, while you men sit around and do nothing? Look, man, I mean, not for nothing, but I got to eat that nasty meal she's getting ready to prepare. (laughs) (laughs) Where where does that fall in your equation? (laughs) Well, then, uh, you know, I guess (laughs) enough said by Avery. That's real work. The real work is eating the nasty food. And then and then lifting my leg up while she vacuumed. That's cardio. That's like <laughs> it's the it's the variables you're not counting in this equation that balances it out. <laughs> to lift your legs up and extend your arm out to use the remote at the same time. That's that's work. That's the worst. Yeah, I hate when that happens. <laughs> you get cramps. You know you know what? <laughs> You know what happened to me the other night? Let me tell you, James, you know what happened to me the other night? I was inside watching TV. My my wife comes in and says, what's on the TV? And I said, dust. And that's when the argument started. (laughs) And it all went downhill from there. I am not hearing any sympathy from any of you guys. Do you? Do you? uh, Oh. We better go to the telephones. I want to also clear. Uh, uh, let's see. Stan in Forest Hills, you're on WABC. James Goldman's Rush Hour. How are you, Stan? The hell with me talking. I'm going to listen to you guys. The hell with this. <laughs> who, needs to hear, who needs to hear what I got to say, for God's sake? I might as well listen to you. It's better than, uh, you know, listening to Rita and all and uh, Casamitinas. Go ahead. I like what's going on here. Oh, don't say that now. Come ah, on, tell us what you called in for. I know. I didn't call him about him. Anyway, here's, here, first of all, <laughs> if the listeners, I totally forgot what I was going to No. Uh, you You're going to talk about blue, blue laws. Right, right. And, there used to be blue laws in New York where you could not open a business on Sundays. And this existed from the 1920s through the 1960s, to be honest with you. And being of the Hebrew tribe, you could not. We didn't work on Saturdays if we had businesses in New York, and they were low on the Lower East Side and that, that type of thing. You nobody was working on Saturday. The place was a ghost town. Then on Sundays, people would come. But then they changed the law, and you could open your stores on Sunday, religious. And so it, it, it depends on the thing. There's a Orthodox Jew in the police department. I think he, they've worked out a way to maneuver that situation around and so forth. So it depends on what the job is, what's this, what's that. 
And uh, uh, related to that other thing, they're suing, you know, let them sue, see what happens. But uh, it depends. There are some businesses that will not tolerate it, some businesses that will. I guess it's just... Well, this is why this is before the Supreme Court. And I think that, look, I don't understand even why this gets to the Supreme Court, to be totally frank with you, but it does these days and times. It is part of the American fabric, the American experience, the American founders' vision that there would be no laws that would stop people from practicing their religion. And okay, you could say, well, this isn't a law. Well, yeah, you make labor laws. If you're dealing with labor laws and you tell people that they have to work and never mind how they practice their religion, that is a violation of their constitutional rights from my point of view. Well, and let's see whether the Supreme Court agrees with all of us. This case, again, is coming up to the Supreme Court next week. So let us see. Lois in Queens, WABC. How are you, Lois? Hello, Lois. Lois once. Lois twice. We came to Lois the other day, and she wasn't there. And Lois, three strikes. You're gone. James Golden, A.K. Snurley, back with you here on WABC, 800-848-9222. Coming back right after this. Don't go away. I need somebody help, not just anybody help. You know I need someone help. When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yes, he did. Yeah, this is the anniversary of him being convicted of murder. And you know, the Beatles helped that you played going in. That was recorded on this date. A lot of stuff happened in music on this date. Always love this song, don't you? The Ronettes, baby. Story. Yeah, the Ronettes. I met her, and I met him at the Hit Factory when I was a kid. Ron, he, I feel he came in. He didn't have that big afro then, but he came in with, uh, with Ronnie from the Ronettes, and she, I'm, whoa, knock out. Beautiful. Yeah, very beautiful. She had that comeback with Eddie Money, remember that time when uh, he, uh, right, remember um, Take Me Home Tonight, the Eddie Money hit. Yeah. Yeah, that, man, I'll tell you what, that was a great group, the Ronettes. Uh, the Biden is supposed to be now giving certain illegal immigrants access to government health care. So you just heard the story about the, the, the neurosurgeon out in San Diego who wants us all, and yes, I do feel very bad about it, about it to commiserate with him 
because of people who hurt themselves breaking into the country illegally. Well, here's one of the reasons so many people come into the country illegally. Joe Biden is now saying that uh, anybody that's in uh, a DACA, the Dreamers, whose parents brought them here illegally, he wants them enrolled in Obamacare and the government pay the bills, even though technically they are here in the country illegally. A federal appeals court has temporarily put aside portions of the abortion pill that was put off limit. They put aside that decision from the judge in Texas. And boy, that judge has been taking a lot of heat. But, but they only put aside part of the ruling, which means that people can still get the abortion fashion, the, the drug. But he declined to pause another part of the ruling that said the FDA wrongly expanded access to the abortion drug. Again, this one's going to be playing out. There's a story today about the Bud continuing Budweiser situation. Yesterday, when I talked about it, it was $3 billion. Today, it's being reported that Budweiser has lost $6 billion, $6 billion in market cap since their uh, partnership with uh, this, this Mulvaney person. And uh, today is, I think, the first level that we're seeing of what is to come. There's a story in the Daily Mail today that says nobody at the senior level of Budweiser was aware that this partnership had been okayed. That's what they're saying, Scott. I'm not kidding. They say, hey, we didn't know. It's like Biden didn't know anybody was raiding Trump's house. Yeah, well, this is the first move toward throwing somebody under the bus. We didn't know this happened. Shareholders don't hold us accountable. We've lost $6 billion, but we didn't know. They did this without telling us. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't know. No. no there's believe- total autonomy in the marketing department. <laughs> we don't know what goes on down there. <laughs> they do their own thing. There is a new travel advisory for the state of Florida. LGBTQ immigrant advocates are warning people not to travel to Florida because of, quote-unquote, hateful laws and telling people Florida may not be a safe place to visit or to take up residence. I guess the people in Florida are really crying over that one. Let us go to Lewis in Coney Island. Hi, Lewis. You're on WABC. How you doing? Thank you. Thank you very well. Can you hear me? I hear you just fine. Oh, great. You you took away three-quarters of my thunder, but that's fine. Um, I um, I just spent uh, uh, time on the boardwalk in Coney Island, as I do every day for the last 30 years. And uh, there are veterans living in gazebos. They're burrowing underneath the board, especially since, since, since COVID. And I think we just lost his call. And I wonder what he was going to say next. Let's go to Finger Lakes and Susan. Susan, how are you? Oh, um, listen, I listened to Michelle Bachman um, last night about this. I know you think I'm obsessed, but um, I really feel that um, the this um, situation that they're going to be voting on, you know, that 
Biden finally is giving up the um, pandemic uh, emergency here. That's because he's um, working with the rest of the of the uh, countries that are going to be meeting May 22nd to um, amend a current treaty that we have that will put all of these countries, including us, under their um, uh, mandates. And it's going to be a nightmare. Okay, now, Susan, right- Susan let, let me stop you right there. Because you're right. And I hate to say this because usually, folks, you know me and the kooks. Me and the kooks mix it up. This is not kookery that she's talking about. The United Nations is, and they are negotiating a treaty that would give them control of health protocols during a pandemic. Now, I don't know to what extent that protocol would have to be reviewed by the Senate of the United States, and that's something that I need to find out before I go further. So I'm not going to say that the United States will, quote-unquote, lose its sovereignty. You know, that's a kook line. We're going to lose our sovereignty to the U.N., and that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying that Susan is right about is the United States is trying to do—the United Nations is trying to do a power grab that they, not individual countries, will decide the protocols for what happens during a pandemic. And this is serious business. This is really happening. So, Susan, no, I don't think you're obsessed. I think you're paying attention to the news. And and there's a lot of stuff that's happening right now in the news. We haven't even started talking about what's going on with the Fed and with currencies and digital currencies. That is brewing out here. Again, the kooks have a lot of messaging on it, and that might dissuade you from looking at it and saying, oh, this isn't serious. I just did a podcast today with James Eisenberg of Interblock Capital, who this man is a genius in the tech space, and he's also a genius in this uh, blockchain slash crypto space. And we spent part of the time on that podcast. You can find it, The Future Is Now. WABC, go to all the podcasts, find The Future Is Now, the latest episode, on what's happening with digital currency. This stuff is happening. It's not happening sometime in the future. It's happening now. And the moves are being made right now to bring in digital currencies into the United States of America. And by the way, we're behind because China already has a digital currency. And other nations are already moving in this direction. And those digital currencies are based on assets like gold and like other things, not on just the ability to print up money. Folks, we live in a very fast-changing world. That's one of the reasons you need to listen to this show every day and keep it here on WABC every single day. That said, time's up. Oops. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. We'll be back tomorrow, God willing, and we'll do it again. I am filled with gratitude and with love for you. Thank you for being here today. Bye. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. 
Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.